Welcome to the GBU Podcast, presented by Alex Mitchell. A huge welcome to this episode of the GBU Podcast, and as always, massive shout out to our friends at Lots of Events and the Creative Groups. In this episode, I am joined by a remarkable individual. He led Love Film to its massive growth from sending out DVDs to then streaming online. They were basically the business that all but took down Blockbuster and then took it to Sky in the online market as well. He then went on to lead Mothercare and he's now a major player within the investment space, both large scale VC level and also at Angel level as well. What they did at Love Film was remarkable in relation to putting customer engagement front and center on everything they do. So if you want to hear about the importance of effective leadership, if you want to understand a little bit more about how to effectively engage and retain not only your customers, but get them to be your biggest sales stream, your biggest pipeline moving forward. Seriously, don't miss this episode. You are going to get a lot out of it. I hope you enjoy for this episode, I'm joined by Simon Calver, but to tell you a little bit about more about who he is and what he does, Simon, over to you. Well, uh, great to be Alex, good to see you again. So, yeah, Simon Calver, what have I been doing? Well, I've had a bit of a varied um, career. I started off, um, my degree was in computer science way back when, but um, through a career in large corporate and in startups, uh, most notably, I suppose, involved as uh, leader of Love Film for, for a long time, ran a public company, and more recently, over the last five years, I've been leading investments in early stage businesses uh, at BGF as their head of investment on the venture side. So seeing a lot of companies come through Series A a bit further on. And I've also seen probably over 50 different uh, investments come to investment committee on the growth and on the quoted side as well. So getting a broad spectrum of you know, what drives companies, what helps them raise money, and also, I suppose, what, what um, helps with success in the longer term. Well, come on to that side in a minute, because it's interesting to hear about what drives success, and especially from an investor angle, what, what looks good, what doesn't look good, what you're looking for, and some of the tips on that side. But when we first met, it was through an event where we've also interviewed Will King on this podcast as well. It was an event in the dim and distant past at the British Library. There's a series of amazing events they do with founders coming in and sharing some of their advice. I think it was you, Will and uh, Tristan in a in an ape mask for Go Ape, I think, as well. That's right. Yeah, no, I, 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 I came to visit you down. <laughs> I came to visit you down in Acton after a few weeks after that, I think it was. And that was with Love Film. And what I was amazed was in your reception, you didn't shy away from customer complaints. You went into the reception there and you had customer complaints. Up there. A lot of places you'll go in and it will have success stories. And our customers think are, are, we are amazing, we're fantastic and all this. But in your reception, you had it very clear about these were some of the challenges our customers are, are telling us we have at the moment. Can you say a little bit about why you as a business decided to do that why you made it so clear that these are you know this is where you wanted customer complaints to be seen yeah one of the huge you know i suppose principles or themes of of any company that that i get involved with is is how can we put the customer front and center of every single thing we do and often that's a challenge if you're growing at 70 percent year on year it's often hard you're thinking about tech you're thinking about marketing you're not necessarily thinking about the customer and there's some tricks that, that we did at Love Film just to help us, you know, keep the customer customer focused. The first thing that we did is every Friday afternoon, we sent an email to all staff that said, what are the top things our customers loved? Top five things. And what are the top five things our customers didn't like? 
And so literally every week we'd be reminded of what we were doing well and what we needed to, to improve. And ultimately, we needed everybody to own the customer experience. And so what we did is we tracked in reception right by the front door, as you as you highlighted, Alex, we tracked, you know, which departments, you know, where were our issues and what did we do to resolve them and scoreboarded the, the main sort of concerns of customer customer complaints. And what happened is is not by. I suppose airing our dirty laundry it wasn't about that it was just by demonstrating to everybody in the organization when they came in everybody who visited us that actually customer issues were the most important thing and the beauty of of a subscription model is when it works well it's it's a great business model right you get repeat you constantly get it's an annuity for for revenue but the most important factor is how can you retain your customers and that's every single day, every single DVD we sent, every single film that was streamed, we needed to ensure that we had a great experience so that the customers would not only stick with us, but they would become our advocates. Our fastest growing channel all the time in our marketing and our most important channel was actually referrals from our existing customers. And I think that was as a result of the experience that we had of keeping the customer front and center. So, you know, I always used to think about what are we measuring? What's important to our customers? Are we sure that we're speaking to them, you know, in the right tone of voice in the right way with the right frequency? And if we got that right, I was confident that we could grow as a business, which we did. And that obviously, and you were obviously doing it internally, it was very visual when you came into the building. But with the biggest growth area through customer recommendations, or if you're a membership organization, member get member schemes, or whatever the acquisition focus might be, that must have fed, you know, I, I was a customer of Love Film and I certainly felt that the organization understood who I was and was engaged with me. But that must have, you know, that that was a big part of giving your brand out to your customers, making them feel ownership. Because if you do let them down, they're going to be very clear about the fact that you don't they don't feel engaged with you anymore as a brand. And therefore it really does keep you, you know, absolutely honest as a brand and what you're there to do. Because if you don't, you're going to be told in no uncertain terms that you're not you're not delivering on what your customers expect you because they feel at least in part ownership of the brand themselves yeah it's all in the it, it's in the data you know i can't overestimate the importance of using data to drive your business decisions on a regular basis and i think you know we talk about data scientists and all those other things which is critical and and, and again just make sure that you are using your best asset which is your data to help you make decisions and there's two things that we did from that perspective the first thing was that whenever anybody called into the call center our customer center with an issue that their net promoter score as a customer was better as a result of having been through that experience than before. So think about it. these are people that have had an issue and they like us more after they've had an issue than they did before. And why is that important? Because our whole customer experience is part of the brand, right? You know, part of our overall sort of sort of reputation and how that goes. So that was one thing that we looked at. The other thing we looked at is we broke down the number of customers that we had by postcode, by individual postcode area. And we discovered when we did the analysis that if we got to 2% penetration, household penetration in that postcode, then actually our rate of growth accelerated. It didn't decline. You know, I mean, this is like, you know, some music to the ears of, you know, of any CEO or founder of a business that if we could reach that tipping point, then we would see acceleration because word and mouth referrals and all those other things and our advocates, our customers would drive our business forward. And I think those, those lessons are equally applicable in today's, in today's world. 
I'd say yeah, as, as applicable, if not more at the moment, with yeah, uh, the customers being fairly right. fickle and moving quite quickly at the moment. And there's some fairly big brands which you know might remain nameless, but are struggling at the moment or have actually disappeared from our high streets or disappeared from the websites at the moment purely because they're not engaging with their customers and their customers lose that engagement with them and then they can move very quickly away. So you, you left Love Film, you are, I think it's probably a little bit unfair to say poacher turned gamekeeper, I, I don't know, but you've been on the side where you've been raising money, you're now yeah. on the side where you are appraising it and you're looking at it. What, yeah. what have, I, I guess there must have been some real skills you were able to take over from your time at Love Film into your role now, and what does it look like? You know, you, you've talked about data, you often hear when you're on sort of pitching panels or you're meeting investors, know the figures, know the figures, know the figures. What, what do your sort of do's and don'ts that you've seen on that side? Obviously, you're focusing a bit more on the bigger end rather than early stage or angel investment. But what, what, what are you sort of seeing of where someone comes in and goes, actually, they're, they're absolutely on point or they need to go away and have a real look at what they're what they're doing? Yeah, it's interesting because it's not just at the later stage. I'm still, I obviously also chair the UK Business Angels Association. So I'm seeing a lot of yeah. sort of early stage deals coming through and helping a lot of companies uh, and investors actually in, in that space. So, so what am I seeing? I, I think the, um, the first thing is, is we all grew up by, you know, listening to stories, right? And actually, I think what we do lose sight of is we sometimes get a bit intoxicated by the tech but we're not actually articulating the story of what we're trying to achieve as a business. Why are we different? You know, how can we, you know, how do we really understand our customers and what, and what we're doing? So just I'd make sure that, that people really understand the narrative. If you can't give a one minute pitch about what your business does and why it's different, you know, the chances are people will never understand it. Right. You know, and, and you've got to sort of try and work on honing that and, and refining that over time. And that's all about finding this thing that we all talk about called product market fit. I, I have a service, I have a product, customers understand it and customers are enjoying it, giving me good feedback and, and doing it. And once you have that, the, the challenge then becomes what is your model for the business for making money? And I know that may sound an obvious question, but a lot of people sometimes don't understand how their business needs to make money and where it makes money in order to drive sustainable growth. You know, in a in a transactional business, if it costs you X to um, let's say it costs you three to acquire a customer and the revenue you get is four, but the gross margin you get is two, then you're going to lose money because actually it costs you more to acquire the company than the gross mm -hmm. margin you get. So understand the transactional model and what the variables that, that you're going to do um, and then make sure there's consistency with what you're trying to achieve as a business and the story and the narrative you're trying to do but also the culture that you're trying to do. Customers are pretty smart, right? They understand and they can see where there's differences. They can understand when a business isn't doing the things that it, it says it should be doing. And so always make sure you're consistent and that comes to your talent and your hiring and what you're trying to build. So typically I'd look for, you know, a relatively large addressable market that the business can operate in, you know, clear indication of good product market fit and commercial traction behind that and that involves if that involves speaking to customers then i'll need to speak to customers ensure that i have a team that that has the experience and strength to to know the direction of the business that's aligned behind what they're trying to do and, and clearly has the smarts to be able to to execute execute well because a lot of success is is about that execution but also 
you know, we don't all have perfectly straight careers that go in a wonderful line. We also have issues and we also, how we've responded to adversity, the resilience we have is hugely important in a startup environment. So trying to tease those sort of experiences out of, uh, out of founders or entrepreneurs is, um, is key. And then a business model that you can see is scalable, that is protectable, that is not easy replicable. Lots of apples there, I know, but, you know, that can help the, um, th that can give longevity to the business that you're, that you're trying to do. And if you put those things together, you can begin to assess what's likely to work and what's not likely to work. And having done all that, you know, in early stage investing and typical venture investing, you know, there could still be up to 40 or 50 percent of companies, even though you've done that, that actually don't make it. Right. It's mm -hmm. it's it's tough. But, you know, having the resilience, the team, the market, the product gives you a much better chance of success um, when you move forward. I know that we'll, we'll come on to resilience in a second, but just picking up on your earlier point um, around you know, knowing who you are and having that passion and getting that narrative across, it is a real key part of it. A lot of founders struggle to get that message across. And I remember from, I mean, you're talking about career paths being straight lines. Mine certainly hasn't. I just seem to end up at the same point over and over and over again, like some Groundhog Day nightmare. But um, I remember in, in the early stages when I was in London, I took a, a couple of really bait or a couple of really basic shares of a company, basically. So every so often I could get a free lunch and go along, go along to their, their general meeting. And we got at the end of lunch, we got pushed into this room where the FD was given a financial update, which no one really wanted to be in. But the guy came onto stage and he had a Tesco's carrier bag or something like that. And he dropped it on the floor, pulled out spray cans and just started spray painting the page and uh, spray painting the stage he was on. And what was amazing was he had the room absolutely captivated. And I think what has always struck me, and when you hear people with great business ideas, if you don't have that passion, it doesn't matter what your passion is in. It doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a brand new med tech startup or a fintech startup or something in sport or a charity, or if it's the finances of a listed company. If you've got that passion and you're able to get it across, you'll have the room captivated and people engaged. And I think that point, you were saying around getting that story across that brand narrative is absolutely crucial. But just quickly on resilience, because you mentioned about that, it's a tough time at the moment for startups. On your career, where things haven't quite gone according to plan, maybe not with situations like this, but there's been recessions in the past. How have you managed to keep the business going in the right direction, the staff engaged and involved and positive when you're possibly having to make redundancies or the business is having to seriously look at where it is going and also keeping customers engaged with the brand at that point what would be one or two of your tips where you might have faced not the situation exactly as we've got now but a similar situation where you know recession or economic climate or whatever it might be has impacted the business yeah it's a it's, it's a really interesting question and as you say really relevant at the moment with everything that's going on globally with 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 um covid so uh, i think there's 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 two or three learnings that um that i have that well i'm sure there's a lot more but you know let's share share a few of them i think the first one is in the early days of love film um when you're in a startup you go through peaks and drops it, it's challenging etc but it really helped to have a common enemy right to align the team to align it what you were trying to do right and the common enemy that we had was blockbuster right it was a bad experience you get paid huge late fines you didn't really have the choice that you wanted to do and so we just focused and said right how can we be significantly better what are we going to do and even though we didn't win all the time 
um, you know, sometimes it was really important for us to to just sort of say, right, we're going to be better. We're going to we're going to sort of make make things, you know, really focusing. Into it. And over time, we had a better offering. We got a better service and we actually did achieve that goal. And, and ultimately, you know, sadly for a lot, lot of the stuff, but Blockbuster went out of business because it wasn't able to keep pace. And then after we did Blockbuster, you know, we, we then thought to ourselves, well, you know, who next? And actually, we didn't have one for a while. And actually, we lost a bit of direction. We lost a bit of challenge to ourselves, which is we need to be better, bigger, faster, quicker in all, all the things that, that we do. And then ultimately, we said, no, no, it's got to be Sky. Sky is streaming. There's lots of, you know, films being watched on that. Let, you know, how can we change our focus to what we do in that in that area? So that's what we that's what we did. So, so tip number one would be, you know, ensure that we we have the um, have the common enemy. Um, the second thing that we that we did, which is which is quite interesting, is that there comes a time where things are going to be difficult and where people are afraid, where people are afraid of their jobs. And I think just being really authentic as a leader, being out there, talking to people in a way where you understand the issues. In my early days of Love Film, when we were doing the turnaround, sorry, Mother Care, when we were doing the turnaround there, I think I underestimated the fear of that middle management in really wanting to change because actually, what would it mean if the business you know, didn't change quickly enough? And I had to sort of really take a step back and said, this isn't about creating a new business. This is about evolving the business, taking the best things that we have in the past, which in Mothercare was amazing in terms of the 50 odd years of, of really being there for mothers and, and parents um, and actually building on that as a framework and ensuring that we could take people with us. And when we got that message right and when we had really authentic leadership, it really made a very, very strong difference to to. To, to how we were engaged with with the sort of middle management and the teams within within mother care and i think that sometimes you just have to recognize fear as a leader you have to be honest with people you have to be authentic to say that this is what could happen if we don't do this this is this is what we're trying this is why we're trying to do it and i just think it, you know speaking from your own heart with your own personal experience and your own real you know case studies that you've experienced in life is hugely hugely important and share some of your own scars and bruises, right? We're not all perfect. We don't have those straight line careers and everybody who works in your company is the same. So I think it's about setting a common vision of where you're wanting to do, having real purpose in why you're doing what you're doing. I don't think we can ever underestimate purpose in the mission of a, of a company and then bringing your team with you because you can be the most amazing, smartest person in the world that has the best plan, but if you can't bring teams and people with you you won't be able to execute and you'll fail simon that is absolutely fantastic i think that where you can even talk about it on a political class at the moment where you've got leaders that are showing empathy and engagement and understanding they're resonating far better than those that remain nameless but those that might might not be and you see it time and time again in business whereby yeah. leaders that are able to bring their team with them they're able to turn around and say the challenges they're facing and understanding that and also showing empathy with the customer i mean i can't remember the chap's name but the the current chief exec of iceland i've seen a few interviews by him and i've been really impressed by the empathy he shows for his customers some of the challenges they're facing some of the challenges the workforce are facing as well and you really do buy into it you really do get it and he is speaking from the heart and being quite honest about some of the some of the problems they're facing but yeah. simon i know how busy you are and thank you 
so so much indeed one final question i'll be um remiss for not me no, that's all right yeah no i just had a i just had my uh eight-year-old homework student just pop his head in the door so um yeah no so so we're all living worry, it on a day-to-day -day basis no that's I, fine i constantly have i constantly have my four-year-old running back and forth outside and banging on the door um yeah. just a quick one in relation to investments at the moment um both in your 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 role in the sort of the higher investment area but also within the angel side as well have you seen a dramatic change over the last seven weeks? Are you, you know, is our businesses still coming? Are they looking for investment? And crucially, are people still keen to invest in the right businesses at this moment in time? Yeah, it's a, um, I think the first few weeks, you know, if you go back to sort of late March and things like that, I think there was a, there was a state of shock where people didn't, you know, suddenly in a situation where, you know, this was going to, you know, COVID or coronavirus is going to impact supply chain and, and things from China to suddenly shutting down a country. I think people, we had two or three weeks where people would just try to take stock of what was going on. Um, but I think what we've seen coming out of that is that people wanting to get to business as usual as, as, as quickly as they can. Certainly, you know, I've been involved in probably in the last um, three or four weeks, maybe 12 or 13 investment committees already for new investments, right? So, we are actually Brilliant. looking, and I think there are people, investors out there who are who are looking to to invest. And I think um, you know, sort of BGF, given that we're investing off our own balance sheet, it makes it easier for us to you know sort of to 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 look at, at new opportunities. So we are. Um, but I think people went through that initial two or three weeks. People weren't sure how to react, and I think that you've just got to sort of be um, be realistic in expectations in the current environment. Right. If you're looking at a, you know, I talked earlier about product market fit. If you're looking at proving a concept that that still needs proof, it's going to be really hard in the current environment to to get that because even if it goes doesn't work, right? Is that because of coronavirus or lockdown or or not? And and how does that work? But if you had traction and you're a business that was growing really fast before, and you had great customers and the and the people really loved your product and you had a passionate team that were driving that. There's no reason why that's going to disappear, right? You know, unless there's you know really big societal changes that I think we're all conscious could well happen, you know. And then in some respects, you know, some of us hope they do to a certain degree. Um, but you know, if the trajectory the business was on doesn't look as though it's going to change, it's just had a hiccup or speed bump, and it's going to need sort of readjusting or a bit of cash to get through that. Then I think people are there to support that, you know. And so, but I think. You know, I, I would plan. It's like any more volatile environment. If you're an early stage business, ensure you've got as much cash headroom as you can. Don't get too intoxicated with, you know, with valuations and super high valuations. I would say that, wouldn't I? Right. As an investor. But I think the key thing is, is that you have the runway to make your business survive. And where you don't yet have the proof of concepts or you're still doing R&D, then you've got to bootstrap it. You know, you've got to you know, get it, get your, you know, get in there and 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 scrap, you know, to to get the customers, get the experiences that you can, which is no different from how it always has been. It's just probably a lot harder than it than it was. So I do think people are investing. I do think there's, you know, a, a money out there to do it, and I think the government schemes have helped significantly, right? In in terms of that, it's early days on the future fund, but clearly the furlough scheme has has been, you know, hugely important in keeping people in employment rather than than losing losing that and i think if we have a gradual come out of that we're able to 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 dovetail growth in our own companies growth back in our own companies 
and the requirement for people hopefully we can we can get that balance right but it's it's it is going to be difficult i think we're going to have a tough couple of years at least um but i think it comes back to that point about resilience and focus and passion and purpose all those things that make the difference between the companies that we all you know love working for and and those that are sort of probably not going to make it simon thank you again so much mate i really appreciate it some fantastic lessons. Thank you again very, very much. And you wrote a brilliant book a number of years ago. Is it still around if we link through still it on right. Amazon? Yeah, Success brilliant. to Love Film Way on Amazon. Don't forget to give it Excellent. reviews too if you get it. Um, but, I'll make um, sure we link through to it as well. It's a great book and it's a good read. I've got my copy dotted around somewhere. I think it's down in the bookshelf downstairs. But Simon, right. thank you again very much indeed, mate. I really appreciate it. Good luck and good luck to everybody else out there, right? You know, stay the course, be resilient believe in yourself and help your business grow. Good luck. Thank you all very much indeed for watching. I said I'll link through to Simon's book below. And until next time, keep safe and keep well. Thank you for listening to another episode of the GBU podcast presented by Alex Mitchell. 